You're listening to the official Dietitian Connection podcast. This podcast gives you access to the most successful and influential experts in the dietetic profession. This podcast will inspire you, it will challenge you, and it will empower you to become a nutrition leader and realize your dreams. Here we are for the Dietitians in the Media series. Amongst all the noise out there, it's important for dietitians to be both creative and evidence-based in the media. So we talk to dietetic leaders in the media space in order to give you the guidance and courage to do the same. Hello to all of our listeners and welcome to another great episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast brought to you by the A2 Milk Company. I'm your host Kate Agnew and I'm a student dietitian at the University of Queensland. Today, we are joined by Kate DePrima, an accredited practicing dietitian and author of four books titled Kids Meals the Whole Family Will Love, Slimming and Health, Low-Fat Summer Cookbook, More Peas Please, and her most recent publication, The Eight Second Secret. After graduating from Sydney University in 1992, Kate worked at the Princess Alexandra Hospital and the Royal Brisbane Hospital, and then for an infant formula company. She opened her first private practice only three years after graduating and now works in two successful private practices in Brisbane. Here, she specializes in infant, adult and family nutrition. Kate's particular interest is helping parents with fussy and picky eaters and filling in the nutritional gaps whilst addressing emotional and physical eating habits. Kate DePrima is also a spokesperson for the Dietitians Association of Australia, which requires her to consult to the media on a range of health and dietary related topics. Kate has appeared regularly on television shows and also writes two regular nutrition columns for Practical Parenting magazine, as well as being frequently interviewed for newspapers and magazines. In addition to her monthly presentations to healthcare professionals in Australia, Kate also presents to the Parents, Children and Baby Expos held around each state in Australia. Welcome to the show, Kate. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Kate. I'm glad to be here. I'm particularly excited to talk to you because you actually fall into a number of Dietitian Connection podcast series, um, that being Dietitians into Business and also Dietitians in the Media. So I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, thank you, Kate. That's great. So I've given the listeners a quick snapshot of your career path so far, which, by the way, is unique and fascinating. Um, but maybe we could start off with discussing why you chose to start your own business. Well, I think I was actually in the, the hospital setting and I really, really enjoyed seeing patients and clients in an outpatient setting rather than at the bedside. I just didn't feel that I was as effective as when people came in to see me. They were they were ready to speak rather than me forcing myself on people at the bedside. So then I thought um, I really wanted to have longevity in what I was doing and I think that, you know, things with, with your own business, whatever you put in is what you get out. So the more you put in, the more you get out. You can also, uh, for me, I'm, I'm a mother of two who are now sort of teens, almost teenagers. So I really wanted to have some flexibility in moving in and around them um, as many women in the workforce like to, to have that opportunity to, to do as well. So, you know, it ticked a lot of boxes for me, Kate. 
Interesting. And I definitely agree with your point about you pretty much only get out what you put in. Um, very, very true. I was wondering if you could give us a brief synopsis of the steps you took to start your own business. Well, I spoke to a lot of people who were actually well and truly sort of in front of me in terms of they'd had a lot more years experience. So I talked to uh, I mean, my father-in-law, who actually ran small businesses up in North Queensland, he ran sort of fruit shops and coffee shops and carveries and things. And I spoke to him just about just business and, and business plans. I know people sort of talk about writing a business plan. That seemed very overwhelming to me. But I, I basically just put a couple of things down on paper, where I wanted to be, what I wanted to achieve and the time frame that I wanted to um, sort of follow. And... Um, then I basically opened, believe it or not, well, my, my very first thing I did is I went to my local paper. I was living in an auger in Brisbane at the time. I went to the local paper and I put an ad in there for um, a dietitian to home visit. Now, this was, mind you, 22 years ago. And I drove out to Banyo with a, um, a wok and some ingredients. And I actually gave a, a cooking demonstration to a new family um, out in Banyo, which was great. Spent about three hours out there. And uh, for not a lot of um, uh, financial benefit, but was really, really fascinating for me to see how my skills could be used in other ways other than just um, at the bedside in a hospital. Um, from that, I ended up uh, starting a Saturday morning clinic because I was working full time at the time in um, the hospital setting. So I always believe don't just drop work and try and find something else. Pick other things up before you drop off uh, your main form of income. So I had a Saturday morning clinic in the front room of my house in Inogra and I put that in I started a little yellow pages one-liner ad so from there it just built up and then I uh, started up a couple more clinics um, once I'd actually got a client base and I'd been doing that for about six months so I started really slowly and then I, I bought a practice in in the city and continued um, that way as well Excellent advice there about, I suppose, you know, trying new things while still having something else to fall back on. Um, and that's quite an interesting story. I was just going to ask, is the uh, coffee business, was that quite important given the Italian heritage? <laughs> exactly. Yes, well, I married a Sicilian, so they're very into their coffee. So, um, and I've always, I think that, um, you know, I've always sort of had part-time jobs uh, whilst I was sort of studying and just looking for sort of new opportunities. And, and even within those who are still in the hospital system, they can run things. What I, I found was really interesting and I was given the opportunity to do was to run, you know, things like the Healthy Weight Week or, or um, National Bones Week within the hospital setting. So I set up, little, set up little trade displays in places just to sort of think outside the square. I think it's just trying trying some new things to make dietetics and make nutrition interesting fun as well as evidence-based yeah excellent um and i suppose taking the initiative to do those extra things was obviously also rewarding in itself because you were able to get a taste of what it was like yeah um yeah from, from that side of the from that perspective i guess yeah and you'll find most people who are in business within the conversation you have with them within about the first 10 minutes you'll always find that they in some form of another will say to you stick your neck out take take chances don't take risks like um taking huge um, um what, what do you call it sort of when you have to like borrow money huge sums of money and put yourself into debt but just take risks and and trust in yourself and trust that what you can do is going to benefit someone and be interesting to somebody so a lot of people uh, lack a bit of confidence in that area that 
what they might try might not succeed. But, you know, the words of some really great people out there who have succeeded in business, they've also failed. And, and failure is just a, a way of improving yourself. It's not really sort of going under, that's for sure. I really agree with that. Um, so on that note, I was wondering if you could tell us about um, some of the challenges you had to overcome to achieve your business goals. Uh, look, I guess, you know, the biggest challenges still within the private practice setting is A, your competition. And it's not just other dietitians, it's other people in, in the industry. So you might find that there might be uh, people that sort of set up close by you or there might be um, places that offer the same sort of um sort of advice and, and information and a product that you're providing but at a cheaper rate. Um, also time, I think that a lot of times we sort of get very enthusiastic about things and want to start it all at once but a big challenge is having the time to do so and when you're working full time and trying to start up a business, it is very time consuming and I do know a lot of people get extremely stressed and it can play havoc with their health as well. So they're, they're challenges. Also, just in my career and, and being a, a female and, and one woman wanting to have children and also having a husband who also has their own career, I think that's a big challenge because one of you has got to sort of step aside, not down, but aside to just help with the children as they're sort of growing up in their very, very sort of vulnerable years. So I guess that's a, a, a big challenge for those of us out there. And there are many men who do that these days, which is absolutely equally as wonderful. Um, so that, that can be a bit of a challenge. And also, you know, when you actually hear, I think with the social media side of things, you do get some negativity out there as well and you've just got to learn to rise above it and know that not everybody's going to agree with what, what you're doing or with the product that you are selling. You've just got to have confidence in yourself. Yeah. So on that note, Kate, you're a spokesperson for the Dietitians Association of Australia and I understand that you've worked with uh, multiple media outlets, appeared on television shows, and you're also regularly interviewed by magazines and newspapers. So I'm interested to know why you decided to get into the media. Uh, look, I really, I enjoyed, I think I fell into it many, many years ago with Brisbane Extra. Brisbane Extra was a show that was from 5.30 till 6pm just before the uh, Channel 9, 6 o'clock news. And it was a, I think it was running na uh, nationally in each state, but Queensland Extra sort of seemed to outlast most of the other states. And it was just a, it was a quirky little show that um, had sort of nutrition uh, topics interwoven in their sort of environmental and, you know, um, other sort of uh, local uh, topics as well. And through being a spokesperson for the Dietitians Association, I was asked to do uh, be a spoke, like a, uh, do a, a um, an interview for Brisbane Extra. And at the time they quite liked what I did and so offered me to do more with them. So from that, I really enjoyed being in front of the camera and then I um, again through the spokesperson's role uh, was asked to do a piece for uh, practical parenting sorry it was actually mother and baby in pregnancy and birth and all these all these things that we were asked to do as spokespeople are for um, no financial gain they're just they're part of the spokesperson's role so I was happy to write a few columns and and do a couple of um, articles for other uh, print media and then the editor of Mother and Baby in Pregnancy and Birth liked the way I wrote, so she offered me a contract. So I guess sometimes you've actually got to give yourself, you know, you, your your time and effort and the activities that you do. There's not a lot of um, financial gain from that, but 
by doing that, you actually give yourself an opportunity to uh, step up to that role when it's offered to you. Yeah, it sounds like, I suppose, putting yourself out there then opened doors yeah. to other opportunities. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I actually did a, I did a, um, uh, a presenter's, like a, a TV presenter's course about 15 years ago, which was great because there were a lot of the, the people that you see in the media now were running that particular course. And it just, I guess it gave me the confidence to um, be okay in front of the camera, doing pieces to camera, doing interviews as well, um, but as part of your spokesperson role, you do get a lot of media training, which is extremely uh, wonderful as well. Mm, well, Kate, you really are an all-rounder dietitian. <laughs> lots, lots of different experiences and areas of expertise. Um, it's really wonderful. I'm just wondering, do you have any thoughts about why it's important for dietitians to have a voice in the media? Because there are so many other voices out there that we're competing with, and I think that as dietitians, as a group, we're very unified, um, we're very strong, we are very evidence-based. So we're all scientists and scientists know that you can't just make a health claim or, or any sort of claim without actually having it uh, backed up by or validated by some uh, justifiable sort of, you know, whether it's been published or evidence-based or like a systematic review that's been running alongside to, to uh, back up what you're claiming. So I think that um, dietitians, we, we um, many people in the media, so people, journalists and, and people in the media, I look to dietitians knowing that they when they actually do uh, provide quotes that they are going to be reputable and coming from a, a reputable source. So I think it's really important that we sort of, we bandy together and we stay abreast of, of information that's out there and updated information and making sure that we do provide um, up-to-date, spot-on nutritional information and, and health uh, claims for the general population because there's a lot of misinformation out there that is confusing people. And that's why I still really love doing or uh, having a private practice where I see patients coming in every day asking these sort of questions and and, and confused by many of the um, um, health promotions that are out there. I definitely agree with that. Um, and just on that note, so we were talking the other day about how you've recently gotten back into um, your Facebook page and blog. I was wondering, um, how's that going? Great. Yeah. Look, I um, it literally was just before Christmas. I thought, look, it's about time. I, I had a blog in 2010 and, um, and it was, I, I really enjoyed, uh, it was sort of when blogging sort of just started to become quite uh, popular. So, it, but it is, once again, it's very, very time consuming, but I thought, well, seeing as I've done a lot of articles for the magazines, I can just revamp some of those in a, um, a an upbeat and a, and a sort of a fun way. And I think that uh, media, I actually had a, a PR company that I was doing some work for another company who said to me, look, I really don't have a lot of social media presence. And they said that, you know, really in this day and age that you do need to have a couple of different uh, social media outlets that people can actually cross-reference you from. And it's also, it's just another way of actually making contact with, uh, with people, providing nutritional comment and, and content. That's it. And I have heard, you know, engaging with um, clientele or even people interested in nutrition on in multiple mediums is a good way to go. 
um, I, I'm going and getting some advice this year, 2016, from um, sort of a, a, a social media expert here in Brisbane, just to consolidate. Basically, she'll tell me, right, do you, do you do it every second, third, fourth day? Do you do something once a week? Do you do something different on Skype? Do you do, uh, sorry, on Facebook as you do on Twitter? And just, you know, because you don't want people to get bored and you don't want to create an, a wave of work for yourself that um, is going to interfere with the other work that actually is you, your financial backbone as well. And I have heard that it's really important to uh, respond and act quickly as well when, I guess, new taglines or nutrition myths come out. Yes, absolutely. And that's why people, you know, who are very, very au fait with this and doing a lot of it actually have a lot of people working behind them, behind the scenes, ghosting and around and finding bits and pieces for them. Because, you know, what for people who do it for their business, it's not a one-man band. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like you've got a really good uh, plan in place, though. So you've alluded to a little bit about your work with um, marketing and health promotion, but I'm just wondering um, if you could tell us about, I suppose, what aspects you find most rewarding in addition to so the, these extra components you'd be involved in as well as providing your consultancy and your private practice. Yeah. Look, I think what is what is really rewarding is... When you connect with a company that you both have the same, I guess, ethos, the same um, forward planning, the same ideals. So, you know, I'm with my work with companies such as Little Tummy Tucker that provide uh, childcare menus, um, Sunny Queen Eggs, which, as, as I've said, I'm passionate about eggs as well. Um, you know, I, I've worked with Australian Bananas. So I guess... You find a company that it runs along with, with your um, ideals and then the, the most rewarding thing is when they actually ask for your advice and they're not just using you as, uh, you know, um, an APD or for your face or, you know, just to, to uh, elevate their product. They're actually using you to find out nutritional information and to find out the best way to actually uh, promote the nutrition from their actual products and they will actually listen to to dietitians when we do say you can't say that or that's actually untrue or if you say that out there in the media you're going to get slammed so you are you become quite a valuable member of the marketing team oh that's really great to know then that as dietitians we do play such a big role i'm just wondering uh what do you think are the essential characteristics or personal attributes of a successful business leader such as yourself well, I mean, you know, you can be a business leader or like, you know, a, a business person. A business person works with the business. Um, a leader also is someone that can take, you know, can take uh, an idea and run with it, but can actually then fill out that idea, bringing other people on board as well. So, you know, I, I think my husband sort of, we work quite well as a team because I'm the ideas person. So I'll come up with all these things and he sort of, not stands behind me, but he basically picks up the things and says, look, that's going to work, but that's not. Have you thought about this? Have you not? And so he's not actually being negative in any way. He's just more of the thinker and the person who's going to put it into practice. So I might have all these grandiose ideas, but you do need somebody who is there to push that forward. So, you know, a leader, like you can be sort of a leader in your field means that you stay abreast of that information and you're always positive, you have the energy and enthusiasm to take things forward, but you will also listen to 
what is needed out there. So you might have a product. Of, um, a product can be you know, nutrition information or it can actually be a, a tangible product. But if no one wants it and you think it's a great idea but no one wants it, well, it's not going to work. So you actually have to really do your research. You need to find out what people are wanting out there in, in the population and, and fulfill that need. Uh, that's um, very interesting and it sounds like you guys make a really great team. So thanks so much for sharing that. <laughs> Sometimes we can be very Italian and lock horns many a time, though. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, so what do you think um, are the most important things you've learned about running a successful business? Uh, that not every week is the same. That sometimes if you just, I guess my business is, you know, a bit of everything. So it's it's a bit of private practice. Uh, it's written, my written work. It's a bit of publishing it's uh, some corporate work and never one week is you know each week is never the same and you'll have really great weeks and you'll have really quiet weeks and never to be disheartened by that so you know a knockback is just a is not really a knockback it's a step back it's a step back to move forward and see how you can make that better always uh assess yourself i think you know after most um presentations that I've either attended or have been lucky enough to speak at, there will always be an evaluation form. I think many of us don't like to evaluate our services for fear that we might be knocked back or, or, or have something negative said about us. But I think self-evaluation and being you know, evaluated by someone is also really important because it just helps you to grow. And so you must be prepared to have positive and constructive uh, criticism given back to you and not take it personally um, set clear goals and you know just I guess set realistic goals don't burn yourself out I've you know had um, the lovely um, ability to sort of speak to many new dietitians coming out and the enthusiasm is just brimming over but a, a couple of times I've had to say to people, you're going to burn yourself out. You just need to, to slow down. There's no race. I'm, you know, I've been doing this now for 23, I think this is my 24th year, and I'm still learning things and still, you know, finding new things to do and still enjoying sort of dietetics, uh, but I haven't burnt myself out yet. So, you know, I think that all these young dietitians moving up through the ranks have got plenty of years ahead to, um, to, to work hard. Good advice. Obviously, we are always continuing to learn. So that was a really excellent point that you offered at the end there. I'm just wondering if you could share maybe the funniest or weirdest thing that has happened since running your own business. Um, weirdest, I guess. Um, I was I was uh, asked to go and speak uh, to present to dietitians in the Middle East. And this was sort of a convoluted, uh, you know, was through other presentations that I'd done. And so I was winging my way over to Dubai and then heading off to Saudi. And um, I once I got into the hotel at, in Dubai, which is just like, I mean, it really is like downtown London and, and um, you know, America. Like there's just, it's multicultural. You don't have to sort of cover your face, etc. But on the end of my bed was a, like a long black gown that I was meant to take into um, Saudi Arabia because you do have to cover up and uh, when I, um, I was on the plane so I put my, my it was called an abaya and I put the abaya on and as I, I got off the end of the plane one of the ladies that was in front of me turned around and said that I, I really should cover my hair and the only scarf that I had 
in my bag at the time was this leopard skin <laughs> scarf. So here I was. I had to wrap it around my head. I looked straight out of Sex in the City coming down the plane, blank, <laughs> looking like I wanted to blend, but I certainly did not blend. Um, but, yeah, it's just the speaking to these this bunch of dietitians in Saudi Arabia was amazing and, and many of them sort of have all different ways of dressing. Some have, are completely covered with their, I think it's called a hajib. Um, others only just show their um, eyes and some have, you know, their, their face showing. But, you know, the, the enthusiasm for, of dietitians right around the world, I think, that, you know, blew me away. But also in the Middle East, when they want to get up and go and have a cup of tea, they do. So right in the middle of your sentence, they, you know, five people will get up and start chatting as if the, the it's it's over. And that was really quite difficult to come to terms with. So people just coming in and out of your presentation and everyone looked around as if it was completely normal. Whereas here in Australia, we are attentive, we are quiet, we turn our phones off and we sit until the speaker has finished. So I had to get used to that. So that was quite funny. Yeah, interesting. So that's obviously a cultural thing that makes it sort of normal to do that. Yeah, absolutely. But they have the same health issues as we have here. So, you know, that was that was good to see that right around the world we're still all, we're talking the same language. Sounds like an interesting and great experience. So as a very successful entrepreneur, author and spokesperson, what do you do to ensure you continue to grow and develop within your roles? Uh, professional development. So I attend uh, workshops and things. So through like Dietitian Connection, which is, you know, brilliant. Obviously, people listening to this today know that. But, you know, the going to Dietitian's Day and, and seeing what uh, Marie and the, the team are offering as far as webinars and information, we can always learn from, from that as well. Also, I speak to my clientele a lot. Like I do ask them what confuses them, what are they interested in, what would they like to know. Um, you know, companies that, that I might attend conferences with, I will also, like if I do a presentation, I know a lot of people, not just necessarily dietitians who are presenting within a, like a, a one-day conference, they come and do their presentation and then they go. Whereas I think it's really helpful to actually attend the whole day and listen to what other, you know, streams like other allied health are, are saying or other um, health professionals, whether it be, you know, GPs, gastroenterologists, paediatricians, because it's really interesting to find out what, what's going on in other fields. And, and I think that's how people who don't really know what area they're specialising in, they, that's where you can find your, your interest. So you might actually be presenting on, say, diabetes at a, at a um, say, dietitian's day. And then if you hear someone t talking about irritable bowel or celiac, it might actually spark your interest and think, well, actually, I could look into that. So, you know, doing your professional development, doing your own assessment and doing your own, um, you know, personal reading time, I think is really, really good. But also having some, some downtime outside of dietetics just to clear the mind is really handy. So what would be your number one tip to someone who wanted to start a business within dietetics? Number one tip... Um, Maybe have a look round. So, so, I mean, starting up a private practice, find an area that's in, in need. So you might actually sort of have a, from where you live, don't don't go too far away from your home. I mean, that's, that's a really big tip because, you know, sometimes I'm leaving home at about seven minutes to eight to see my first patient at eight up at Paddington and I don't live too far away. But um, because then that just takes out all that, that stress of travel time, et cetera. So 
find out, you know, within the sort of, you know, maybe 10, 15 k's of where you live, see, do a map and dot out where people are if you're starting up a private practice um, and then find, you know, an area that maybe isn't flooded or saturated. If you've got a business idea, have a look around and, and have a bit of a Google and see who else has got a similar idea. So, you know, if you wanted to uh, pack lunch boxes for kids and start it from a cafe or something, see if anyone else has tried it, see if it's been done before, if it's being done. Quite often you can find many of your great ideas that pop into your head have already been in other people's heads, but internationally, so you can see how well they're doing over there. And then maybe talk to someone who, you know, has a similar idea to you. So, you know, I mean, many times, like, you know, I, I attended a business women's breakfast and um, oh, I've forgotten her name now, Carmen's, Caroline Creswell. She uh, she was basically saying the same thing as you were just asking then, how did you, how did she start up her, her business? Well, she sort of was helping in this muesli business and then they wanted to sell out. So I think she ended up buying it for, you know, $2,000 or $1,000 or something and then just worked hard. And to really start a business, you've got to be passionate about it. If you don't really like photography, don't start up a photographic food business because you're never going to survive. You've always got to love what you do. Otherwise, when when the when it gets hard and the the you know the the things are down, you've got to still love what you do. Thanks for sharing that, Kate. I was just wondering what you think the opportunities for dietitians in the next decade are. Oh, look, I think. Dietitian, in the next decade, I think that there's, you know, the, the ever-emerging area. I mean, we've still, we have an obesity crisis, whether it's in the adult, the geriatric or the, the uh, sort of infant and um, child population. We And we have disease states associated with this as well. That's always going to um, uh, be something that's just ever-growing. It's I guess it's like, you know, skin cancers and dermatology. As much as we tell people to stay out of the sun, people still stay in the sun as much as we say, look, you know, just don't eat so much um, excess X, Y, and Z, people still will. So I think that dietetics is still going to keep growing. It's, a, it's an area of just that it will evolve over the next decade. So I think that uh, for dietitians, working in various um, areas, is uh, areas of growth, uh, working together as conglomerations, so you know, people who bandy together to work together, uh, working with companies, there are many companies coming out uh, with health food products or health information. So dietetics, dietitians just need to sort of stay abreast of what's coming out and, and approach people, really approach people. And I, I think, you know, social media can sometimes help with this and blogging and when you get followers, companies do come to you and, and, and ask you to, um, you know, give them advice and you don't have to promote everything that comes across your desk unless you believe in it. Um, so again, I think that there's, there is plenty of work out there and ever evolving work. And as a, like a, a mentor once said to me, it's got a, the three things in, in, if you're providing a product of any description, it's got to work, it's got to be easy and it's got to be financially viable. So if someone's going to buy something to work, it's got to, it's actually got to work. It's got to do what you say it's going to do. It's got to be easy, so it's got to fit in with their lifestyle and it's got to be value for money so, you know, that, that you can't sort of overprice yourself. And and dietitian's advice fits into those three categories beautifully. Oh, yeah, that's it. Um, from my public health studies, I sort of learnt that it's 
better to make the healthy choice the easier choice and I suppose that kind of carries through when working one-on-one with clients absolutely absolutely Thanks so much, Kate. I thought we could finish off with maybe you sharing one additional interesting fact about yourself, because it sounds like you have very many interesting facets to your life. But yeah, maybe an extra interesting fact. Um, an interesting fact. Well, I do look at school. I um, did all the, the sort of heavy academic subjects um, and passed them. But the subject I enjoyed most was photography. I I ended up, um, it was actually my mother said, why don't you take photography to just outweigh the others so that you have something to just enjoy as a bit of downtime going through year 11 and 12. And I really, really loved it and ended up doing quite well in it. And I have actually used it more and more in my my private work now. So, you know, I do a lot of food photography. With I have now worked for Practical Parenting for eight or nine years. I'll be moving on to do another column in one of the... Um, uh, the national papers this year and we'll be doing some photography with that as well and also it enabled my husband and I to do a couple of cookbooks when I was working for mother and baby in pregnancy and birth uh, and using the um, and using my sort of skill in, in photography and also a couple of companies I've worked for I've done um, sort of promotions where I've actually offered up doing the recipes cooking it up and photographing so some of those skills that we had right back in school and I I left school in 1986 so this was 85 86 have come back to be very very useful so you know I know there's a a dietitian that I know in Canberra she um, used to love dancing and she's now actually does some dancing with exercise and personal training and dietetics so you know, some of those skills that we actually do have can be very valuable in your work life. So interesting, Kate. <laughs> yeah, I don't think my 80s disco dancing is going to help me in any way, though, in my private practice work. <laughs> it could be exercise, though, for outside of work, right? Yeah, well, look, you know, if you make someone feel good and, you, and, they, and they're doing well, they'll come back and see you and it'll make your job so much easier. Excellent. So is that the sort of philosophy that you have with your private practice? Yeah, I think with anybody, anybody I come across, if I, you know, if you engage with someone and they've enjoyed your company, they've enjoyed the the time they've spent with you and they leave with a bit of kick in their step, it will give you a a bit of a a rush as well and, and it makes you think, yep, I can keep doing this. Well, I'm going to leave this interview with a little bit of a kick in my step. So I really (laughs) hope that the listeners get as much out of it as I have. It's been a privilege to chat to you, Kate, and to hear about all of your experiences, receive your business advice, and also hear about all of the different facets to your professional life and also get, get to know you a little bit. So thank you so much for being our guest today. Absolute pleasure, Kate. Thank you so much. And thanks to Dietitian Connection as well. So we'll have the link to Kate's Facebook page as well as her blog page available on the website. So please check that out so that you can keep up to date with Kate. She's got some fantastic articles up there and she's always got really lovely recipes as well. So I'll definitely be trying some of them out. Also, a big thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, could you please leave a review for us as well as pass this podcast on to your colleagues and friends. And also make sure that you are subscribed to the Dietitian Connection podcast so that you can automatically download the new episode each week and so that you don't miss out. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time for another fantastic episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast.